iTunes digital podcast and Naked Girls Radio. The song you just heard at the top of the hour is called Heated by Tara Lynn, and um, I spoke with her over on Twitter. Um, she's awesome, amazing voice. I'll be playing another one of her songs a bit later throughout the broadcast, and I will begin this evening's uh, part two of Slow Erotica, Slow, S-L-O, Sandra London Official Erotica, part two, with the story, The House That Fucked Me, and that was uh, published on my website, livinggrind.com, on May 23rd, 2013, so I will get to that um, momentarily, but um, while I get ready, (laughs) I will play another song by Tara Lynn called (laughs) Cherry Moonshine. Here we are.
that was Tara Lane with Cherry Moonshine. Okay, so I will start out with um, the first story for this evening. This is story number 10, collectively, um, from last weekend and this evening. <laughs> okay, the house that fucked me. When I first saw you, I knew you were the one. You were so very open, all lightness and bright. I loved showing you off. And I was inside of you damn near every night. I took care of you, made sure your needs were met. Hell, I cooked, cleaned, made sure you knew you knew you were special. I hated being away from you for so for too long, and I think you knew it too. But you were always there, waiting, patiently. You were better than all the others. My friends would come round and say as much, in your presence even. You were always just the right size, a perfect fit, snug, yet you always gave me my space and knew where and when I would need it the most. You were the only one for me. Then, somehow, things changed. I got busy, but I never made enough. I couldn't keep up with you. And, well, you changed, too. Granted, these things are bound to happen. But I failed to notice for far too long until it was too late. You weren't nearly as cheerful as before, not nearly as smug. However, I always blame it on myself. I really did do the best I could. It just wasn't enough. At times, you'd moan, you'd sigh, and every now and again, you damn near fell apart. But every day, or damn near, I'd always come back to you. Then bam, it happened right in front of me. I thought that I would have you for forever, but very few things are ironclad, infinite, and guaranteed. Yes, I looked elsewhere every now and again, but I loved you. Still, and I still do. I'm more than ashamed to admit that I can no longer have you. They won. And now I'm driven out in the cold to start all over again. But I don't want another you. There's nothing I can do. I know that someone else will take my place. I know that I am powerless before you. I can only hold on to you for so long. I must resign myself to my fate, which is to be without, and to be without you. You, to whom I gave my heart, soul, blood, tears, sweat, and dreams. You, who cradled me, swathed in your quiet strength and seemingly limitless loyalty up until I had nothing left to give. I will miss you and all the good times we've shared. No one else will replace what we had. Still, I must surrender and turn in my walking papers. My heart, I bid you adieu. I have no other choice but to move on and start all over again, even if no one else will ever feel like you do. To the house that Jackson built from your Casanova 
Six. The end. And that was published on livinggrind.com, a.k.a. to livinggrindinla.com on Saturday, May 25, 2013. Here's your next song, Chains of Love by Maxim Finnan. It while it's hot I might not be all that young And might not be your biggest dream But my sledgehammer still Can make your anvil scream If it's too much for you to handle If you turn around and duck You can shut the door behind you And may this horseshoe bring you luck
The song you just heard is called Happening for Lulu, and it's by Kraus, K-R-A-U-S, Kraus, from Free Music Archive. Okay, next story up is number 11, and the second story for this evening, and it's called The Lady in the Window, uh, and it was published on Tuesday, October 30th, 2012, on com. And here we are. The Lady in the Window. Yeah, she only wants for me. She bleeds bright golden tokens from her standing stiff army. The lady in the window is naked as can be. She's hiding in my box for the whole wide world to see. The lady in the window, she is my one and only fan. She sends me soiled sundry. I give her all I can. The lady in the window, my broadcast fantasy. And once she hits her goal, it will be them and her and me. Tonight I'll have her all for me, and my dreams, she's always free. The end. That is The Lady in the Window. And next up is The Lady of Death, um, and I will do that one right after this very next song. <laughs> I will play uh, History Eraser by Courtney Barnett, and then I'll be right back with you. The call in number is 858-815-2333. Once again, 858-815-2333. And next up is The Lady of Death After History Eraser by Courtney Barnett.
That was History Eraser by Courtney Barnett. I found that over on Free Music Archives. And up next I will do uh, The Lady of Death, which was published on livinggrind.com on Saturday, July 14th, 2012. It is a night like any other, or at least it starts out this way anyways. At about 3 a.m., the phone rings abruptly. Our dear Madeline is stuffed into a tiny, tight black tank top. With skulls, a brown leather ball gag is lodged firmly between her pink, puckered lips. Billy's large, veiny cock is poised and freezes mid-plunge into Madeline's tight, pert rear. Maddie lunges forth, propelling her lean, slender body towards the nightstand. Grasping earnestly for the void perceiver, the phone continues to chime incessantly, filling her boudoir with its inane, persistent refrain. Ugh! Maddie gasps, releasing the ball gag as she feels Billy's wood spontaneously unleash its hot, wet venom inside of her. Billy's spillage begins to trickle down the smooth curve along the crease of her buttocks. It continues its descent painting proud, white streaks along her fishnet, fishnet-clad inner thighs. Fuck! Billy straightens up, extracting his prematurity with caution and retreat. He falls backwards into a crumpled heap onto the silk spread beneath him. Sorry! Maddie hisses an apology over her shoulder, waving her bare bottom seductively in Billy's direction. Yes. Yes, she continues. I could make it there in about, oh, say, 20, 20, 30 minutes sooner. Um, She pauses, sighing quietly. Really? Billy mouths back, sitting back up on Maddie's four-poster bed. Billy is momentarily bewildered. He stares intently at his newly minted main squeeze. Yes, I see. Maddie regains her composure. I will be there just as soon as I can. I'm on my way. I'll hurry. I I just need to call for a cab. Yes, Uh uh-huh. And the address, please? Maddie grabs her notepad and pen, always at the ready on her nightstand. Maddie hangs up. Oh, I see. You're... Working, eh? Billy jeers with a sardonic grin. Billy, baby, you've known this since day one. Madeline chides impatiently, searching in vain for baby wipes with which to catch the remnants of Billy's progeny. Will you be here when I get back? Madeline switches gears flirtatiously as she scampers off, making a beeline for the shower. Maybe, Billy draws out slowly with feigned indifference. Billy slinks back beneath the silken sheets and gathers Maddie's large, zebra-padded velvet throw. He lifts it up and over himself, burrowing his head completely. Billy's pride and joy now lies with sticky, sweet submission between himself and the mattress. Goo. Madeline scrubs herself down as thoroughly and quickly as possible. Babe, she calls out, can you call down to the dorman for a cab, pretty please? 
All righty then, Billy grunts and reaches for the call button on the nightstand. Oh, lordy, Madeline chirps, shivering from the waft of cold air that envelopes her naked body. Opening her wardrobe, loosens its towel about Natty's bulbous breast. With a soft thud, it hits the floor and one fell swoop. Ugh, she moans wearily. I could just die, she cracks, as she rummages around her dresser for something decent to wear. Yeah, Billy perks up half-heartedly from beneath the sheets. Because I killed that shit. <laughs> Plunge. Ha. Ha. Such a funny, funny man. My darling pretty. Madeline rolls her eyes as she teases him mockingly. Go to sleep, she commands cheekily. She pauses to delight in the stirrings arising from his boastful proclamation. It compels the most wicked instant replay, engulfing her underbelly passionately and without warning. Her pussy trembles. Clutching her overcoat in one hand, Madeline leans down and peels back the zebra throw with the other. She kneels down hastily and kisses Billy's cheek, hoping to stifle the animalistic desire threatening to overwhelm her. He squirms initially and then smiles broadly with his eyes still closed. See you. Whenever, Billy offers weakly as he succumbs more and more to dreamland. Uh Uh-huh. Madeline murmurs affirmatively before grabbing her gear, notepad, and house keys on her way out of the door. Madeline barrels down the winding staircase, duffel bag in hand. She pulls back her raven black tresses, scooping them up into a slick-up do and smoothing the loose strands neatly behind her ears. Good morning. Roger, the burly but affable doorman, greets Maddie good-naturedly. Top of the morning to you, young man, Madeline responds cheerfully, greedily eyeing the mug of cafe mocha Roger has set out for her in the lobby. Picking up the coffee carefully, Maddie smiles and thanks Roger as she heads out to the street, hastening towards the taxi. Off to the races, Maddie salutes Franklin, the cabbie, with a smile as she slides into the back seat, setting her bag beside her. Where to, madame? Franklin winks. 176 Jonestown Drive, please, sir, Maddie replies, circling the scribbled address slowly with her neatly manicured nails. <clears throat> she grabs her pen from her, back, her jacket pocket and notes the time, 3.17 a.m. Her chosen destination is not a far cry from her own neighborhood, but it may as well have been. Figuratively, they are worlds apart. Madeline has come to prefer this live-work segmentation. At home, she likes vanilla. Safe. Boring. At work, she likes excitement. The thrill. Mystery. To get lost and found again. Darkness and light. Clarity. Repose. Chaotic silence. As she exits the exits the town car, Maddie offers a warm farewell to Franklin, tipping a bit more than usual for having delivered her in record time to Jonestown Drive. She approaches the dilapidated housing tenement with no delay. 
Looking down at her notepad, she reads down further. 176 Jonestown Drive, apartment 13. Maddie looks back up and notes the call box with faded lettering to the left of the entryway. Gulping down the last bit of mocha from her mug, she buzzes apartment 13. A baritone voice responds curtly. Yes? Madeline Wells, crime scene investigator. Maddie calls out into the night. The end. And that is... Um, that was written on Friday the 13th, July 13, 2012, at 4.30 p.m. by yours truly, Sandra London, and then published on livinggrind.com on the 14th, Saturday, July 2012. Voila. And for your next song, I'll do Houdini Act by Mongrel. And the next story coming up is The Lot of Lizards. Actually, more of a poem. <laughs> That'll come up next for you. But here you are, Houdini Act by Mongrel. Yeah. 
that. Looking at me, she won that quickie, yeah, quickie. <laughs> oh. That was Icky Icky by Mark Angelo. And it sounds like Dionysus is in there. Um, but yes, Mark Angelo, uh, Icky Icky. Alrighty. Um, I will do No Dispatch now, which was published uh, quite recently. This is the most recent erotic uh, story that I published on my website, livinggrind.com. Um, that was published on Thursday, June 12, 2014. No dispatch. At 0400 hour 17 on 18 April 1911, I had about come undone. Finito. Cooked. Over. I know this now. You won't. It is what is in the writing that counts, above all things. Deceased, Jane or John Doe. Time of death, zero one hundred hours twenty. There are three whole hours in there, or just about, and one or more others are there about. I remember my hair down to there, everywhere. My tongue, my tears, my tits, my pussy, pretty skull. The cold, darkness, the order. Lean back, look up, eyes closed. Wrap your lips round. Sealed, skin tight. The light, ugh, lights. Harsh, gross, so profane, so brilliant. My double Ds. Mais moi je ne pose pas, monsieur. I feel my brights in polite society. Merci bien. Sacré bleu. The smoke. The probe. A rescue. A seizure. Your hands. My waist. A pleasant plop. A plumb. Eternal warmth. Then abandon. A hover. A tunnel alien and alone all at the same time color blind colorless a heady omnipresence of gray gray gay a cockfest catastrophe with no end no sight some savior some witness a messenger a call for agency familiarity Long pause, vile accusations, pressure, a lift, long pause, restraint, a face plant, long pause, I wail, I plead, mercy, release, an ear, an end, long pause. I dread the blur, the weight, a fluid time. I seek connaissance. I could be more than me, possibly. 
one and one ninth, one and two ninths, maybe less, maybe more. Let's see. A producer, if you will, produce, if you must, or insist, but never, not ever, a director, a dwelling, per se, perchance, curtilage included, a box within a box, packaging, born at sea, submission, born in the air, this box, squared, unready-made display, this play, window lady, window girl, wonder woman, LMP, and okay, look at, talk at, written around, written without, stamped within, shrouded in code, valued at one-ninth, maybe two-ninths, but never is one. Time of birth, zero four hundred hours, seventeen. Time of death, zero one hundred hours, twenty. Rewind, a still life. The end. That was no dispatch. Um, on livinggrind.com, you can see that, which was published on Thursday, June 12, 2014. Up next, I will do our little diss. Um, in the meanwhile, I'll check out this song, uh, I'm From That, by Mr. Frizzo. Frizzo, baby! Frizzo, baby!
And that was I'm From That by Mr. Frizzo. Um, and he has a profile over on NakedGirlsRadio.com if you'd like to check that out and more of his music. Uh, next up, I have Our Little Death, uh, which was published on LivingGrind.com on Monday, May 13th, 2013. Uh, and it was inspired by a chat I was having with um, Indie Bear over on Twitter, uh, JKZ Indie Bear. Um, and so, so thank you out there, Indy. So here we are, uh, our little death. I'll put you up along my smile, bring you back down under a while, fill you with life with a wisp of death till we're both running clear out of breath, till we expire on sins and sighs, on dreams and fears upon our thighs. We'll bury deep here, counting sheep, to rise and shine in our daily grind. The end. That was our little diff. And up next, I will do Pink Cookies right after this next song um, Frankenstein Valentine by Sinister Fate.
Frankenstein Valentine by Sinister Fate. And now I will do Pink Cookies Part 1, which was published on livinggrind.com on Friday, uh, September 7th, 2012. I was having intimate relations with those gentlemen, Monticelli begins, and was this before Fabian Hallworth pauses, or after you murdered them? Excuse me? Those 12 servicemen, the deceased, those soldiers who were slaughtered as they slept in their army barracks. Lana snorts audibly in spite of herself. You, the accused, you find all this amusing, do you? Fabian Hallworth sneers menacingly, long and protractedly, embodying the well of theory he has undoubtedly incited. The maddening crowd has gathered to crow a macabre assembly at the feet of the fallen. Fabian pivots perfunctorily, swiveling half-mast in his firm, shiny black crocodile loafers. He positions himself forebodingly in front of the trier's effect. Leaning in paternalistically, he squares his back to shield the people from the face of this diabolical entity, this amoral enemy of all things pure, just, and measured. The absence of sound is deafening, yet, despite any sign of prevenance, a cool draft gradually appears to take hold and swirl about omnisciently, mingling amidst the stiflingly hot inferno. The slight breeze encapsulates the staid pallor of the halls of judgment and welcome contrast against the relentless sun on this scorching August afternoon. Would you like to explain for us here today exactly what, pray tell, you find humorous in regards to the charges of willful, premeditated homicide, Miss Soleil? Or do you wish to continue to make an absolute mockery of this court? No, sir, Lana counters. I would like only to make one thing unabashedly clear, and that is all. Lana proffers without reserve. I find you absolutely beyond belief. Lana stares straight ahead, looking directly into the statesman's parched face and blonde quoss trimmed to exacting precision. Lana mentally traces the outline of Fabian's sharp-shooting, piercing blue-green eyes, leading her visual study slowly down from the tip of his ruggedly handsome profile. She trails along the tip of his pious Roman nose to the proud jet of his Adam's apple on display. She works her way back up, right between the triangle of his profile. She peers once again into the eyes of her fate, which have hardened and narrowed into iron-fisted slits and closed off his insides. Fabian is hooded. Imperceptible to the uninitiated, it has become apparent to Lana that the veil of Fabian's mastery will remain in play perhaps a while longer. She relishes the challenge. 
Alana's flippant disposition attracts sharp, incessant whispers throughout the courtroom as she continues to meet the glare of the contemptuous crowd, nonplussed. She relaxes her shoulders, parts her lips, and smiles with false modesty, like a maiden in a meadow, not the shameful repose of the damned. Lana holds the same soft smile until the room is hushed once again, then stops. Lana elongates her spine and winks haughtily. Naturally, Fabian announces broadly in her direction as he turns to face her again, positioning his body in direct proximity to her elevated position on the witness stand. Naturally, he repeats evenly as the heat of his escalating anger begins to give rise to an involuntary stiffening of his junior member. Fabian clears his throat uncomfortably, mid-stride, struggling to retain a semblance of civility, restraint, and undefiled impotence. Fabian has kept the public transfixed up to this juncture, their collective fury hanging on to his every syllable of condemnation, divine utterance. His sudden pauses, growls, bellows, his every inflammation, intonation, and glittering generality, dazzling and mesmerizing. Fabian's spell is finely measured, ravenous, meticulous, and intoxicating. But now, if he could only look away, in one fortuitous meeting of the eyes, he is becoming undone. He is preparing to resume his living theater exposition. Until this instant, this had been otherwise old hat. Fabian is intending to provide a good finish, but not quite like this. As Lana's lids, etched in onyx, begin to lower slowly over her golden brown eyes, her attention is drawn down towards Fabian's midsection. Her eyes dart back up reflexively, dancing and full of impish surprise. She erupts, devolving compulsively into a hushed, raspy, girlish giggle that hastens into a feverish pitch. Lana can no longer contain her composure. Her golden-brown breasts rise and fall in perfectly sculpted unison, each nipple becoming increasingly erect at the center of each mound of full, well-rounded flesh beneath her plain, loosely-flowing peach blouse. Lana's mouth, inherently full and rose-colored, forms into a tightly wound circle as she allows each throaty, seasoned peal of laughter to escape her lips, unbridled. The long, thick curls of her auburn-tinted mane are thrust forward as she gives into the whims of her fit of pathological merriment. Fabian can hear the startled cacophony of the masses buzzing incessantly behind him. He can feel the weight of the curious glances of the jury across from him, the whispers swimming in waves of flurry as his head swells, making all things incongruous, absurd, and out of the realm of his control. Fabian dares not display the betrayal of his own manhood, this inexplicable stirring of vulgarity and passion. 
this lustful, wicked, animalistic urge to shove his seed right down deeply into Lana's pagan belly. Anything to wipe that sick, sadistic grin off her pretty little face. Whatever it would take to turn that raucous body laughter into a riotous scream of release. Fabian's pants tighten painfully, accommodating his appetite. His thighs give way to the gatherings of beads of sweat and splendor. The Honorable Claudius Rutherford Napoli interjects, beating his gavel furiously from way up high. Enough! Napoli affirms brusquely, looking pointedly at Fabian Hallworth. Lana jumps in her seat at the culmination of this intensity. Her overt derision has at least momentarily run its course. Fabian will remain immobile, ruddy, steady, flushed, swollen, mute. That is enough for today, the Honorable Napoli concludes. <clears throat> the end of part one of Pink Cookies. Voila. And I will be back with Sex Drives and Dream States right after this next song, Freak Show by Cheech Marley, featuring Tony Yates. Yeah, 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 yeah. Young Jones, Cheech Marley, Tony Yates. Hey, young girl, I like how you work them hips and thighs. How you dancing all around, it got me hypnotized. And you got my attention. How you strap it to the floor? All eyes on you. Quick, quick, and I swear it's up the richer. I told you I'm a star. Jeremiah, that's my next 
Oh yeah, it's very true When I say we know pretenders We them young boys You can check out street credentials I heard money make you calm Is you a gold digger? Go five out and one If you try to get richer I'ma touch a little bit To make it droop and make it sicker I can't help myself I'm in love with a stripper The only thing I tell my gal Is I promise I won't kill her
I jump down to the ground. I am afraid to announce my presence to the lonely night. Furtively, I look around. I venture towards the back of your truck. I do not see you there. I hear the music of the unknown in the wilderness before me. I hear the rustling of the trees. I hear the stirring of the leaves. Suddenly, a warm hand envelops my waist. Sweet, hot breath tickles my ears. You whisper, Hey, baby. You all right? This is the first time I hear you speak. Your deep, gentle voice turns me on. No further reason. Remarkably, it is cold out, even with my blanket wrapped around me. I suppose I sort of swoon, half moaning, heady in your presence. I feel your hard cock pressing defiantly, wrestling against your jeans. It is poking my blanket. I am very impressed. I'm so cold, so very, very cold. You hug me closer from behind. I feel an instant urge to abandon myself, to sink into your arms. I look back at you. I smile. You're much hotter than I remembered this close-up. Wow. I coo. I reach behind me. My blanket falls away. Your arms still keep me warm. I unzip your jeans. Methodically, I do not want to disrupt the energy. I feel it stirring in my panties. It becomes so hard for me to breathe. My hands shiver uncontrollably. I fumble as I loosen your belt. Hesitant, I pause for a spell. I let a few seconds pass. Motionless, I start again. I dive my hands greedily into your jeans. My eyes widen. I am shocked at my discovery. I am dripping wet. My arousal warms the space between my thighs. I shudder and shiver once again without reprieve. It is no longer from the cold. I am ready for you. I want to uncover you. I imagine how you may feel deeply within. I reckon how sleepy I must have been. How did I fail to notice the drive, the beauty, the power, the smooth, solid readiness of your massively swollen cock? How could I have gone unnoticed? The consumption, my consumption, of your strong, steely weapon of love and the recesses of my painted mouth and the pit of my yearning throat or the embedded buds of my lustful tongue. Your cock inches ever closer to my unbridled honeypot. It glides effortlessly as you part my thighs. I feel your hands engaged with my heat. You position yourself, your hungry, throbbing manhood. You solidify your stance. I inhale sharply, readying myself for the plunge. 
you enter the end that was sex drive and dream states It's the choices we make, eeny, meeny, miny, moe Saving the world, <laughs> look mom, I need out, need out, need out, need out, bandido Just the right sauce for this beat, but read out Ingredient list includes a four-leaf clover With a dash of every day, we can cure your hangover Hangover, cure your, cure your hangover, hangover Let's go. 
Now that's better, baby. Why don't we sing a song to help pass the time? Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Merrily, 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 life down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Hello, all you sexy naked girls radio listeners. Have yourself a naked day and make it a naughty night with me, Sandra London, on Playtime with Sandra every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.